This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations, and thanks again for joining us. Our topics, as you know, address issues important to trial attorneys, defense attorneys, their clients, and really just about everyone involved with the settlement industry. Well, today we're bringing the show to you from beautiful, sunny Newport Beach, California, at the site of the Ringler Associate Annual Meeting. And we have this meeting every year out here, and uh, I know I really appreciate it coming from the cold of New England in February and January. We have a very interesting uh, guest with us today. Uh, Guy Baker helps people to separate what they need from what they want. And the real task, it seems, is to take care of business, which is what a lot of attorneys and others don't seem to understand and are really not taught in school. And Guy is here today to advise us on how we can become more successful by doing a few things better. But before we introduce Guy and get into the topic, let me introduce my uh, co-host for today. Brian Fillion is our Ringler Associate in New Jersey and uh, has over 15 years of claims, settlement, annuity, and financial services experience. He's responsible for designing and negotiating structured settlements for uh, re- resolving major personal injury cases and, uh, and not only in workers' comp and environmental but in, uh, in other areas as well. He's a real uh, expert in all of this, and uh, I'm really pleased to, to say that he's an associate of mine. Brian, welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. Well, let me introduce our special guest today, Guy Baker. Uh, Guy is the managing director of BTA Advisory Group, a Newport Beach, California-based management consulting firm, which specializes in the issues and problems facing closely held businesses since 1986. He's also the managing director of Baker Thompson Associates, a compensation and benefits consulting firm specializing in closely held businesses as well. He's a frequent writer and speaker. He just published his fourth book, Investment Alchemy. His other books, Why People Buy and Baker's Dozen, The 13 Principles for Financial Success, are also big sellers. With with that as an introduction, Guy, welcome to Ringler Radio. Nice to be here. Thank you. Uh, It's interesting that you've written uh, some some of these books. Uh, Was that difficult to do? Actually, it wasn't. Uh, it uh, just kind of flowed out of my own personal experiences and the message that we wanted to communicate with our clients. Well, that's interesting. Well, we're going to talk a lot about lawyers today. And uh, one of the things that the ABA, the American Bar Association, complains about is, uh, and this may sound mundane to a lot of folks, but uh, attorneys don't seem to be returning phone calls. And uh, what does that all mean to you when, 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 when you hear that one of the big complaints uh, of a group like the ABA is that attorneys aren't returning phone calls to clients and others in, in, in their midst? Is that, is that a problem in the, business, in the business world? Well, I think it's a problem virtually with uh, you know, any type of client, uh, you know, getting them to return the call because it usually indicates that they don't know what to say. And uh, they're so busy being successful, they don't have time to pay attention to, you know, all the types of things that, that we want them to pay attention to. So they'd rather be in denial 
than to get on the phone and deal with it directly and set up an appointment. I have a lot of experience with attorneys, and I think uh, you know my my basic reaction with attorneys is is that if they pick up the phone, it's going to mean more work for them, uh, and they're already inundated. Well, that's interesting, you know. But it doesn't doesn't phone calls and everything around the idea of of returning mess answering messages and returning those kinds of phone calls doesn't that really speak to time management as well? I mean, isn't, isn't it? Attorneys are often busy. It's managing time. It's it's what to do with those hours in the day, and sometimes these things just pile up. How does uh, how does this time management issue impact how businesses are are, are handled these days? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think time management is a is a very critical element to success in any business. And you know what we find is is that most people are again so busy that they let the urgent uh, dictate how they're going to spend their time. And so as a result of that, because they don't have a plan, you know, they don't really have a delegation process within their organization, they just keep getting, you know, battered around uh, by whatever the most urgent uh, message that comes across their desk. Well, in this tech-savvy world, everyone's now communicating by email. Uh, can you discuss some of the email, email management uh, issues with the lawyers? Well, email, uh, as we all know, is made up of messages that are really important where people are trying to communicate with you something that you need to know. And then you've got all this um, advertising and spam that comes in. And then there's all the jokes that come oh, in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, by the time you ferret through what's critical and what's not critical, you've already spent 15, 20 minutes looking at your 186 to 2,000 emails or whatever it is. I really strongly recommend uh, having your emails sent to an associate, you know, your uh, your administrative assistant, and let them go through it. Pay them whatever their rate is. They're pay- they're getting paid a lot less per hour than you're probably earning in your business, and then let them send you the me- the messages that are the most important ones. Unless you just happen to like going through email. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. In the beginning days of email, we all you know. We heard that little beep, and we we said, "Hey, it's great. We're getting emails now. We're inundated by the spam, and as you said, by the by the jokes, you know. And it's often Brian and I have spoken about this. You often take the measure of somebody you're dealing with by how how often they just inundate you with meaningless kinds of emails. It, it turns you off. It really does. It does. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, you have a mantra. You seem to use a guy in 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 this whole arena. You. You say when you send an email to a client, you, you should be thinking about re- relieving that client's anxiety and, and pain and when, when you do that and we're, or when you meet them face-to-face. How do you do that and what is that all about when you're trying to help your client reduce their stress level and their, their, their uh, you know, uncertainty? Well, I think success in our business, uh, you know, regardless of whether it's uh, delivering legal services, financial services, accounting services, or widgets – is all about relationships. And too often, I, it's like I was talking to my oldest son here just uh, today, and I said, you know, when you were a kid, you know, I might have communicated with you a lot different than I'm going to communicate with you as an adult. As an adult, if I manage you, I'm going to tell you up front that we have an issue that we've got to deal with. I'm not going to hide it and slap you up the back of the head. He, he said, well, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but anyway, the point being that um, I think honest communication 
is the biggest stress reliever that we've got. So it's, it's important in that opening line of an email to say, you know, this is an important message. Uh, this is something that you can deal with later. Uh, if it's an important message, then, then communicate why it's important and just be crisp. You know, I don't think you use email for reprimanding. I don't think you use email for uh, discussing opinions. I think it's primarily a communication device that says, please get this signed. Uh, you know, I've, the paperwork's ready. You know, you know, some very crisp messages. You know, the thing about email, it's interesting you raise that, is that oftentimes sarcasm doesn't come through in an email. You know, when you're trying to be cute or funny in an email and the words are simply on the page, uh, you oftentimes lose the impact you were trying to, to, you know, to put across. So I, I find that uh, it's very important to be specific with what you're, what you're sending in an email and not try to use it for something that could be misinterpreted because I think that's what's happening these days. Brian, you've, yeah. you've seen that. Yeah, absolutely. But when you're talking with your clients, uh, how important is it to listen to them? Well, that sounds like a loaded question. <laughs> I think you're supposed to say what? Huh? What? Huh? <laughs> Sorry. How, you know, yeah, what, but how what, important how, are they? How does that old line go that nobody cares what you know until they know, you know that you care? And right. how are you going to know somebody cares unless they've listened to you? And, and too often, I think, when, when we're listening, we're only listening for what we want to hear rather than what the person's really saying. And, and if, if we can develop listening skills that go beyond just the, the direct message, but also listen for what's not being said. You know, in, in my business, the most important thing I can do, really, is to help somebody get in touch with what they're really feeling. So a lot of times, good listening means good questions. No question about that. I, one of the things I found, it's interesting, I was buying an automobile, and I, I said to the uh, car salesman, I want four-wheel drive in this car. So he says, good, come and test drive a car. We started driving. I said, well, does this car have four-wheel drive? He said, no, it doesn't have four-wheel drive. And I, I, I'm saying, what, he, what is he doing? He's certainly not listening. Uh, and that's obviously he didn't get the sale. But uh, you've discussed the importance also of speaking what you call the client's language, uh, especially with, with lawyers and attorneys out there. Does their lawyer speak? result in confusion when they speak to clients? I mean, we see that in a lot of different, in different industries where, where there are certain buzzwords that, that tend to get in the way of real communication. You're absolutely right, Larry. And, and I think what happens uh, so often is, is that people mask uh, their own ignorance or their own insecurities with their buzzwords. And instead of being able to put it in simple terms, that really is clear and concise that somebody can understand, they end up getting wrapped up in their own vocabulary. And like I say, primarily because they, they either don't understand it well enough themselves or they're afraid of what the reaction would be if they made it simple. Yeah, you mentioned uh, bridging the gap between your knowledge base and your client's knowledge base is very important. Um, uh, do you find it difficult to change uh, the lawyers, how they communicate with their clients? You know, nobody makes changes unless they find that what they're doing isn't working. So I think somebody has to be so uh, concerned about their inability to be effective, uh, you know, before they're ever going to take into consideration uh, suggestions uh, like, you know, bridging the communication gap. But what I've seen is probably the single biggest problem with attorneys is, is that they have 
seemingly an inability to be able to communicate effectively with their clients the va- their value proposition to how they get paid. And so as a result of that, a lot of clients get upset when they get that bill because you know they they just don't understand where the where that bill came from. It's not itemized. They're not held accountable. The, the attorney's not held accountable in any way, shape, or form. And here's this bill, and they and it causes a lot of dysfunction in those attorney-client relationships. Well, you you talk about a lot of things in in your books, uh, an awful lot, and uh, I want to get to some of the issues that I found fascinating, and you can you know expound a little bit on that. You talk about trust being one of the key elements of why people buy things from other people and, and how they deal with one another. And obviously, we that would seem to be a given, but do you find that there are some folks out there that aren't really using that, that aspect of, of personal interrelationships to really make their businesses more effective? I mean, trust is key, isn't it? You, you know, that's so obvious. It is, isn't it? I, I mean, mean it is obvious, and, and I would guess virtually – Anybody that w- that's in the the sales business, if you asked them right when they came out of the interview, do you think that client trusted you? They'd probably say yes. So, you know, t- uh, trust is such a perception issue, and there are some key things we can do to be trusted. And and, pro- and you know, we we hit on one, which is uh, the listening. We hit on another one, which is talking their language. You know, not being caught up in. In, you know, in our own vocabulary to protect ourselves. But I, I think another one is, you know, being able to, to listen through the message. And I, we talked about that a little bit. But listen through that message and be able to relate. And um, vulnerability, transparency, I mean, those are, those are key issues to building trust. And so oftentimes it's a, a barrier. You know, it's the de- it's the the professional advisor, the attorney, the accountant, whoever it is, the barrier, which is the desk, and then there's the chair where the client sits. And instead of coming around on the same side and really making the person feel like you're involved in their problem and helping them try to identify it and solve it, it's a solution-driven process that says, you know, here's your size 10 shoe. Now, do you have a size 10 foot? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Can you elaborate a little bit on prospecting? Uh, taking care of your clients. Uh, give us some examples. Well, prospecting is obviously the name of the game. Um, if, if you don't have a continual flow of, of new opportunities running through your your business, then eventually you're going to die. You know, I mean, literally, you're going to run out of opportunities and revenue will, will uh, cease and you'll have to shut the doors. So you know, prospecting is really about having a system. And that system is tied to, uh, you know, either observation, you know, getting out into the community and meeting people and getting your name out there, referrals, uh, getting people to like what you did for them and and refer you uh, to others who have a similar problem, uh, and then just general marketing, you know, advertising and, and what have you. But, you know, in, in the final analysis – it's all about relationships, and if you can build feeder systems with people that you've been successful with, uh, who trust you and want to, sh- it's like you know, if you went to a good restaurant and you had a great meal, you probably would tell other people, "Boy, we went to that, you know, restaurant and it was just so good, and the food was great, and the service was great." You know, people like to share their experiences. That's called that's called marketing. 
It's called marketing. But a lot of times people don't really focus on that and they just take for granted, you know, how they'll give referrals. And so, you know, when they're not there, they're surprised. Well, I I think what makes someone go to uh, someone who's been referred is if that person's problems have been solved by, by, the, by the expert or by the, by the professional. And if you have a reputation of solving problems, people are going to pretty well come to you and, and, and want you to solve their problem. Don't you find that? Yeah, in fact, true? one of the things that I put in that uh, sales psychology book that, uh, that you mentioned up front, the Why People Buy, is that uh, you know, people uh, you know, do what they want to do when they want to do it, and the other thing is, is that you know the, the problems are the key to the solution. In other words, if, if I focus on solutions, people are going to ask whether or not the size 10 shoe fits the size 9 foot. If I focus on the problem and I really can identify the problem, then what happens is when I bring in the solution, they know it's going to fit. They know the solution was designed specifically for them. You need to know he needs a shoe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. exactly. And then you can figure out the size. Exactly. And the color. Now, you might wonder why I say size 10 shoes. I used to sell shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, my foot's a little bit bigger than that. Yeah, it's you you would never me. fit in a size 10. <laughs> no, not at all. No. But if that's all I've got, guess what I'm going to try and do? Squeeze my foot into it. That's right. So referrals are huge in the world of business. So um, how do you make those happen? And is it all about interaction and networking, or is it all about follow-through? Well, sales, uh, regardless of what you're selling, is a, is a process. You know, it's an experience. And I think we've all had the experience of buying something and then having buyer's remorse and want to take it back. It wasn't what we really wanted. And then really finding out what type of an organization you did business with. So it, it's more than just buying. Yeah, absolutely, it's more than just buying. You know, you, you talked about buyer's remorse. Uh, this happens a lot. We, we, we're in the structured settlement business, and we try to make sure that our clients understand that the structured settlement is the best alternative for, for how, what they could possibly choose when they're settling a case. But uh, what we find is that when they go ahead and, and don't buy what we're offering, but they take cash, it's not too long thereafter that they do have buyer's remorse because they've dissipated the funds, they've spent the money, the money's gone, it's like they never had it. Uh, and I always tell people I get a lot of Christmas cards from people who took structures because the money's still flowing in, and the other ones, uh, they're crying in their beer a little bit. You find that true, too, Brian, all the time. Well, let's, let's take a short break right now. When we get back, we'll uh, hear more from Guy Baker and get into some very interesting uh, areas that I think you'll find uh, fascinating about why not to worry too much about fear. And we'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates, placing more than $18 billion in structures over the past 30 years and one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows, 
Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohn, and I'm joined by Guy Baker, the managing director of BTA Advisory Group, and also he's a frequent speaker and writer. And uh, my guest host from New Jersey, our Ringler associate, Brian Fillion. Thank you. Guy, uh, I understand you just published your fourth book, Investment Alchemy, and I understand that your other books, The Popularity, is going through the roof. Um, How does this book compare with your other books? Well, it's a different type of book uh, because it was written primarily for the consumer. There's a a program called um, Modern Portfolio Theory or a concept called Modern Portfolio Theory that came off the Nobel Prize in 1990. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to have a book that I could give clients to read that would explain all of the academics and the research behind this that they would, wouldn't put down. So we've been, I've been very pleased with it. Well, that's interesting. And you've been speaking all over, all over the world, it looks like. Uh, what, what kind of feedback are you receiving from you know, the people who attend your lectures? What are some of those success stories that you're, uh, you're involved with? Well, I've had an opportunity because of uh, the number of years I've been in the financial services business to be invited down to uh, Singapore and Hong Kong and Australia and you know many places around the world. And you know, it's just a, it's such a terrific honor and opportunity to be able to meet these people because you know you think about those cultures and if you don't know anything about them. You know, you you tend to draw conclusions, but when you go down and you meet the people and you see that they are dealing with the same problems we deal with, they've got the same issues, and they're just hungry for good ideas that they can put into place that will help them be financially successful and to help their clients, uh, you know, you walk away with a real thrill. So business is business all around the world, and the problems are inherent uh, in almost every business uh, that you've seen, even cult, you know, between cultures that have uh, different perspectives and different priorities. Yeah, and I don't know there's any way to understand that or know that unless you go. Guy, in your book you say that over 90% of what people worry about uh, really never happens. Is that really true? <laughs> I think it is. Uh, I know oftentimes when I find myself falling into a, uh, you know, a worry syndrome, uh, I, I rely on that. <laughs> and as I, you know, as I walk through the problem, uh, I really begin to understand and see that our minds are capable of extrapolating way beyond the reality of the situation. And when it all you know, works its way through. Most of it never happened. It never even came close to the intensity that I imagined. And if I had allowed that fear 
to govern my response, I would have made things a lot worse. You know, I, I like the way you define the word fear. You call it false experiences appearing real, F-E-A-R. You know, and it's interesting. Uh, I think it's true. Most of us, especially in the middle of the night, things seem an awful lot worse than uh, when, the, when, you know, when the dawn breaks in the morning. It's, uh, we, we're all, we all get a little bit too caught up in some of those fears. And in fact, that's one of the questions I oftentimes will ask somebody in my opening interview is, you know, what types of things, Larry, is it that keeps you awake at night? Or when you wake up, causes you not to be able to go back to sleep? What, what are some of those issues that you deal with? Yeah, and, you know, a lot of them have to do with financial issues. Usually. And, uh, you know, and worrying about money is one of the biggest problems. That's why one, what we say in the structured settlement field is by getting a, 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 an ongoing monthly, timely, you know, guaranteed flow of income takes away that concern and worry about where to put it next and where to churn it and where to move it. And it's, it relieves a tremendous amount of stress from people's lives to do something like a structured settlement. As a certified financial planner, I can tell you, having, again, worked in this business for 40 years, most people are so clueless about their money and they lose capital or, or they don't even take the time to build capital. So, so they, you know, they, they are virtually ignorant about what to do with money. So if you plop three, four, five hundred thousand dollars into their lap between loans to family members right. and purchases of things that they felt like they've needed all their life and never been able to buy, by the time they look, their checkbook's empty, and then what do they have to show for the settlement? It's a recurring story we hear often time and time again, and it's it's really sad to, for some people to see what happens to the, to those funds. You know, you have a motto, and I really love this motto, concerning how we prioritize things in our lives. And, and your motto is, do what you hate first, which uh, is kind of interesting. It's, uh, I think I was reading in one of your books where you talked about you, some people eat the icing before they eat the cake, or some people will go through the cake, maybe sometimes a little dry, before they get to the icing. And, and when you say do what you hate first, what's the, what's the rationale behind that? Well, the icing story actually came from M. Scott Peck's book, uh, The Road Less Traveled. And, um, so does that mean you plagiarized it in your no, book? No, I gave him credit, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm just surprised you didn't. But, <laughs> you know, you know there, there's always that issue of prioritization. And, you know, if you're facing something really tough to do, it's a lot easier to work on those things that are fun to do and keep putting it off. But there's what I call the compounding curve of consequences. And if you don't deal with the consequences of a particular problem now, the thought is, well, it'll go away. But it never goes away. That, that consequence is there. And what happens is that consequence gets worse and worse and worse the longer you delay. So it's better to nip it in the bud and deal with it than it is to allow it to fester and multiply. Well, it's funny. I remember, and I'm sure Brian does too, when we were in the claim business, you know, you'd have on your desk a list, you know, a whole stack of files and there was always one file that was a little bit the, the tougher one. It always seemed to get to the bottom. You never wanted to bring it to the top. And, and later on, you realized that, uh, you know, you were just postponing the inevitable, and that was that was, and you and you started to worry, and you got. And by right. then, the whole situation is is even worse. Story: One of a, a client that I really didn't know very well had bought a policy, and I was really worried about going out and seeing him to talk to him because the profa- the financial performance on it had not been very good. So I finally got up enough courage to go out there, sat down with him, went through 
all of the economics of it, and he understood it, and he was so appreciative. And as we got up to walk out, he put his arm around my shoulder, and he says, you know, guy, he says, you're the first agent that's ever come out to really explain to me a policy that I bought that wasn't doing very well. And I seized that opportunity, and I said, well, you know, shouldn't we be providing that same type of service to your sons? And then he turned around and bought a significant policy on both his sons. <laughs> So well, that makes sense. It was a good lesson doing, for me. Yeah, I was going to say you're doing something right there. Good lesson for me. Well, listen, thank you very much. It's come to the end of our show here. I'd like to thank uh, Brian Fillion, our guest host from New Jersey. And, thank you. And uh, New Jersey's not quite as beautiful these days as Newport Beach is, is it? With the no, weather, it's but, uh, much colder. Well, it's a lot of fun out here. And also certainly to Guy Baker, whose uh, insights have been very, uh, very important. And, uh, Guy, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to hear more about what you have to say or even learn more about your books you've written, how would they do that? Well, they could go to our website, uh, standell.com, S-T-A-N-D-E-L.com. Great. And if anyone wants to talk to you, Brian, the ringlerassociate.com, they can get, go to the website. How about a local uh, phone number for you? Uh, 609-714-8860. Okay, great. And I'm Larry Cohen from, uh, from Boston. Give me a call, and I'll lead you to the right place to get any information you need to on this show or any other show. And, of course, ringlerassociates.com for any of the brokers and associates around the Ringler organization. So thank you very much again from Newport Beach. Thanks to Guy Baker again, you, Brian. And now go out. Let's have a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates' experience counts. Since 1975... Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, Mass Mutual, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.